I don't know about you, but even at my age, I still love Christmas. Anyone else love Christmas? I love the trees, the advent calendar, the uh, lights, the tinsel, the turkey, having family around. Of course, there's the giving and receiving of presents. Talking of gifts, I have a story here about three grown-up sons who decided to outdo each other in buying the best Christmas gifts they could for their elderly mother. After Christmas, they got together to discuss the gifts they'd bought. The first one, who loved big houses, said, I built a big house for mum. The second, who was into expensive cars, said, I sent her a Mercedes with a chauffeur. The third smiled and says, ah, I've outdone you both. You know what our mum really likes is to read the Bible, but now, because of her failing eyesight, she struggles to read. So, I sent her a remarkable parrot that recites the entire Bible. Mum just has to name the chapter and verse, and the parrot will recite it. After Christmas, the mum sent out letters of thanks. To her first son, she wrote, Miles, the house you built is so huge, I only live in one room, but I still have to clean the whole house. To the second, she wrote, Gerald, I'm too old to travel. I stay most of the time at home, so I rarely use the Mercedes, and the chauffeur is so rude. To the third, she wrote, Dearest Donald, you alone have the good sense to know what your mother really likes. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> so, we need to ask a question if we're seeking to buy presents. What then does make a great Gift. Some would say a great gift needs to be personal. It needs to have the personal touch. You need to know that person, know what they really like or want. Others would say it needs to be precious or costly, not necessarily expensive, maybe like a, a child's handmade card. Others would say, no, a great gift really needs to be practical. Uh, my wife, Karen, uh, given the choice between diamond earrings or a pressure washer, would choose a pressure washer every time. She likes practical gifts. Well, today, we are celebrating the most practical, precious, and personal gift that's ever been given. We've celebrated this gift throughout the service so far, and we've focused in on one particular verse in the prophet Isaiah uh, 9, verse 6. Let me read to you again this one verse. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, this is one of a number of remarkable prophecies about the first Christmas. In this case, 700 years before it actually took, uh, took place. And it's the prophecy about Jesus coming to this earth and being born. Notice how personal this gift is. It's to us. It's, a, if you like, a love gift from God to every one of us. And because he's the creator, he knows us better than anybody. And he knows, above all, what we most need. It's the most personal gift. But secondly, it's the most precious gift. It's the, not a giving of an inanimate object, but it's the birth of a child. How personal is that? It's the child 
who we know as Jesus of Nazareth, real historical person who grew up, lived, did amazing works. Many people, including non-Christians, would say the most remarkable person who ever lived. But this Jesus Christ was more than just an amazing human being. It says also not only was a child born, but a son has been given to us. None other than the very Son of God. In other words, God giving of himself the most costly, precious gift possible, God becoming a man so that we might get to know him. And then thirdly, this gift is the most practical or necessary gift. When you receive this gift, it has the power to change your life like no other gift you could ever receive. And what I want to do is if you imagine this uh, gift here representing the greatest gift, I want to look at the four phrases that Isaiah uses talking about this coming of Jesus, the greatest gift. First, Isaiah tells us that he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Literally, it's he is the, a wonder of a counselor or the greatest counselor you could possibly have. Now, we can go, can't we, for sources of guidance in all kinds of different places to different people. Some are helpful, some not so helpful. And what Isaiah is saying here by the Holy Spirit is, there's one going to come who's going to be the most wise, amazing counselor that you could ever receive. And the sense is, this all-wise person has amazing plans for the whole of the world and for every person who ever lived. I don't know about you, but during my childhood, I kind of made up future plans for my life. I would spend hours and hours in our back garden just kicking a football into a net, imagining, dreaming I was playing for the greatest football team that ever existed. Man City, of course, has to be. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And then uh, into my teens, I, I got, got into politics and I had occasional moments. I wonder one day whether I might quite like to become prime minister. I'm glad to say that neither of those dreams uh, came to pass. But underneath, if I look back at my whole childhood, right up until the age of 19, although I had so much going and so many good things in life, on the inside, my life was characterized by a lack of ultimate purpose. That was until I received Christ up at university and said, Lord, will you come into my life? And at that point, suddenly, I just knew that I'd been born for a specific purpose. And since then, the wonderful counselor has helped guide me into his plan for my life. But you know, God has a plan for your life too. Someone once said, the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and then the day you find out why you were born. Have you had that day? Have you had that moment where you suddenly discovered, you might not know all the details, but suddenly I have a purpose, a unique design and destiny. And if you already know that purpose, fantastic. But then we have the presence of the wonderful counselor himself who can guide us into the fulfillment of that purpose. This is just amazing that we can know God's a one purpose for our lives through Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. Second phrase that Isaiah uses to describe the coming of Jesus is that this child to be born would be called amazingly mighty God. Highlights what we've already said that Jesus is a child like no other. 
He is God come to us in human form, now alive and present with us today by the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's incredible. That means that when we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we have a God who is all-powerful, who comes into our life and gives us strength and ability and a capacity to deal with the challenges of life. I don't know about you, but maths was never my favorite subject, but I do remember this sign. This sign is a greater than sign. Let let, let me just do a little bit of a maths test on you. Would you agree with me that six is greater than five? What about 300 greater than 200? You agree, mathematical certainties. How about this for another mathematical certainty? Man City are greater than (laughs) Man United. That was pretty, I lost a whole bunch of people right there. It's just mathematically true. There's no argument about it. How about, if you're not sure about that, how about this? Mighty God is greater than anything or anyone else you put on the other side of the equation. Let me ask you a question. What's the biggest challenge you're facing in life right now? Is it financial? Is it a health challenge? Is it a relational challenge? Is it fear of the future? Is it loneliness? I've got great news for you. Through the coming of Jesus Christ, we can know the personal presence of one who is a mighty God, an all-powerful God, and he is greater than whatever else you put on the other side. And at close this service, I want to give an opportunity where we bring prayer requests to this amazing, all-powerful transforming God. One of my favorite parts of the Lion King film is when Simba, the young prince, is in great danger from the nasty hyenas. Um, He's about to become their lunch. And then he lets out a little cub-like, pretty pathetic roar. And of course, the hyenas think it's hilarious, fall about laughing. And then he starts to roar again. And then you hear this massive roar as the scene changes when Big Daddy, King Mufasa, is there on the scene. And this time it's the hyena's turn to back off. Why? Because King Mufasa was greater than the hyenas. Simba on his own wasn't, but with his great big king beside him, nothing would cause him to fear. Nothing would cause him to tremble. And it's like that when we have mighty God with us. Nothing in life can ultimately defeat us or overcome us when we have God present. Sometimes he does miracles and changes things. Sometimes he just comes right into the midst of what we're facing. We know that we have a big God, a mighty God right there with us. It's amazing. He is mighty God. Thirdly, I think this is perhaps the most incredible of all. Through Jesus Christ... We can know God as everlasting Father. Literally, forever a Father. All of us have a deep need for good fathering and parenthood. It's also true that none of us have had perfect fathers or parents. In fact, I'm very much aware that even the mention of the word Father to some evokes painful memories. But Christmas is a good news message. It says that wherever we're at with earthly parents or our earthly fathers, we can know a God who is a heavenly father who's perfect, unlike any other dad, 
And unlike other parental situations, he promises he's going to be with us forever. That means for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. What an amazing, amazing promise. One of the joys of my life um, is having been a dad. And as our girls were growing up, I would often have daddy-daughter nights with them where we would watch certain films. Top of the list, I must have watched it at least a dozen times, is Parent Trap. And I cried as well as them. (laughs) Story about two identical twin girls whose parents separate when the girls are born. One goes with dad over to California. The other stays in London with mum. And they, they grow up, they end up on a summer camp together, eight week summer camp. And they find out that they're identical sisters, uh, identical twins. They switch places and then they decide to go to the other parent that they've never known. So I've got a short clip where one of the girls meets up with the dad she's never known. Please watch this. Quite a a poignant moment, and it brings out really what I believe it's the heart of what Christmas is about. It's about the privilege that just like this little girl was overjoyed at coming and meeting the father she never knew. At Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that we can come and know the Heavenly Father that maybe we've never known, and we can come into an amazing relationship with Him. Someone once asked, what is a Christian? The answer, a Christian is one who knows God as Father. I remember when I became a Christian, and it's the testimony of literally millions and millions of people across the planet, there's something overwhelmingly wonderful about knowing that we have a perfect Father, an everlasting father, a father forever, who's always there with our best interests in heart, at heart, full of love, full of comfort, full of protection, full of guidance. Through Jesus Christ, you and I can, as it were, come home. We can come into a relationship with our heavenly father. God is an everlasting father. And fourth and final description that Isaiah uses of Christ is that he is the prince of Peace. Peace is something that the whole world is looking for. And very often we think of peace as just an absence of conflict. And of course it includes that. But peace isn't just an absence of conflict or negativity. In its original meaning here, the word shalom means the presence of God. A sense of well-being. We might use the word a sense of harmony. For me, along with being filled with purpose and a a knowledge of God's love, the moment I became a Christian, it's the testimony of many people, I was filled with a deep inner peace that I'd never known was possible. So how, how does that happen? Well, I think it's something to do with the fact that if we're away from God, something's out of alignment in our lives. It's like we're alienated with a perfect and a holy God. And so if we look ahead from Christmas to Easter, Jesus at great cost, in fact, at cost of huge suffering, even giving his very life on the cross, Jesus Christ somehow paid the price for all our alienation with God and all that's wrong with the world. He took all that suffering on himself. He, as it were, bridged the gap between us and God and and, and said right now, you can have peace, you can be at harmony with God this God. 
And so when you accept Christ, you're saying, I'm coming into harmony with God. All that I've done wrong, all that's not right in my life can be forgiven and cleansed and washed away. I can have a brand new start. And when you know that peace with God, that, as it were, eternal peace, it changes you on the inside. And we have what I think we all long for, which is inner peace. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding, a peace even sometimes when life is tough, you can know an inner tranquility. And then that peace, that harmony on the inside can then flow out into our relationships, into our families, into our homes, and even into our wider world. It's about this time last year where a lady came to live next door to Karen and myself. She got invited along to Kingsgate She gave her life to Jesus Christ. And what's been remarkable is to see the transformation in her life. When we first met her, she was filled with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And then since she's become a Christian, she's been filled with an incredible peace to the point that her family and friends have noticed something different in her. You actually saw her story earlier on in the service. Her name's Nikki. It was on the Alpha story. She's experienced and welcomed the greatest gift. She now enjoys a peace through the Prince of Peace. But the great news is that's just one story amongst many. Over our years here in Peter, we've seen thousands of people who in different ways would say they've received Jesus Christ and how the transformation that he's brought to their lives. And I just want to very briefly show you three stories of people who've in some ways been transformed in a similar way to Nikki. Please uh, watch these short stories. It was my friends who suggested, let's try out the local church, let's try something new, we're in uni. And we went and it clicked. It was there, and that was the something that was missing for all those years. And I am thankful for that love and just that moment that, where it all just made sense and I now have that joy that no one can really take away. For my entire adult life, for as long as I can remember, I had been an atheist. I had a big problem in my life. I was an alcoholic. My doctor rang me five years ago last April after some blood tests and told me that my liver was in a bad way and if I continued drinking the way I was, I would be dead by Christmas and my liver may not recover at all and I would be dead within 18 months. I entered into a program of recovery and haven't had a drink since. One day, after a visit to a local park admiring nature, I returned home that evening And that very evening I found myself by the side of my bed, sobbing, handing my entire life over to Jesus. My life changed at that very moment. At that very moment I was born again. Five years on from that phone call with with my doctor, I am still here, I am still alive. I know this is because of Jesus. I know my life now is Jesus-filled and I know it will continue to be so. Hi, I'm Emma. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home surrounded by an amazing, loving family. Uh, But when I was a teenager, um, I stopped going to church. I stopped being interested. Um, It didn't feel relevant. And actually, I found things that felt so much more exciting, like um, relationships, going out, getting a job, earning money. And God didn't feature at all. 
But then I moved to Peterborough and one day I woke up and decided actually I want to go to church again. So I'd heard of Kingsgate, I'd seen it on the telly, um, so I thought I'll try there. So um, I turned up and I was overwhelmed, I could feel God's presence and over a few weeks I gave my life to God. Um, I knew that God was real and I knew what Jesus had done for me, which was great, but I continued to live my, my old life um, and come along on a Sunday. But that all changed when um, I got involved with a life group. I met so many amazing people who, who changed everything. I could see in them what I wanted to be. And, and I knew I had to change my life. I could see people who cared, who loved the Bible, who loved the Spirit, who loved God. And actually, I wanted to, to change my life, to, to live the way that I knew I should be living. Uh, and I've made that change now and I feel so much more free. I feel like I have a purpose and I'm just really excited for the future. So just a few of many wonderful stories we could share of people who've received the greatest gift and how Jesus Christ has come and is in the process of wonderfully transforming their lives. I know for many of you, Christmas is just an opportunity for you to say thank you. You have received this greatest gift, and it's an opportunity for you to rejoice in all that he has done for you. For others of you, maybe this is your first time, or much of this is brand new, and you're just discovering what this is all about. And more importantly, you have an opportunity. I'll give you an opportunity in a short while to pray. We'll pray together, and you can receive this greatest gift. Before we pray together. I want to finish with one final story. It's of a wealthy man and his son who loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection, from Picasso to Raphael. When World War I broke out, the son went to war and ended up courageously dying in battle while rescuing another soldier. About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door of the family home. It was the soldier who the son had rescued. He had a package in his hand. The father opened the package and saw a portrait of his son painted by the young man. The father was so thrilled that he hung the portrait over his fireplace. A few months later, the father died. There was to be a great auction of his paintings. Many influential people gathered, excited over seeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to purchase one of them for their collection. On the platform sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel. We will start the bidding with this picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? A hundred pounds? Two hundred pounds? Silence. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, We want to see the famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer replied, The sun! The sun! Who'll take the sun? A voice came from the very back of the room. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. I'll give ten pounds for the painting. Being a poor man, it was all he could afford. No one else responded, impatiently waiting for the masterpieces. The auctioneer pounded the gavel, going once, twice, sold for ten pounds. A man sitting on the second row shouted, Now let's get on with the real collection. The auctioneer laid down his gavel. 
I'm sorry, the auction's finished. But what about the paintings? I'm sorry. There was a secret stipulation in the will. Whoever gets the sun gets everything else. That's just a little story to illustrate something of the wonder of Christmas. It's that God gave his very best gift to us. The most personal, the most precious, the most practical, necessary, life-changing gift that he could ever have given. And when we receive Jesus Christ, the Son, we receive everything else. The purpose we all need. The strength and the confidence to face life. The, the knowledge of God's fatherhood. The peace that we so need and desire. Someone once said at Christmas time, when we receive presents we don't really need, God offers us a gift we cannot do without. But like any great gift, the gift needs to be received. God has given it to us, but we have to play our part and receive the gift. Imagine this Christmas you've had a uh, a present you've been longing for for years. Come Christmas Day, you're not going to leave it under the tree or wherever you keep your presents unopened, are you? If it's that good a gift, if it's that great a gift, you're going to want to receive it. You're going to want to open it. You're going to want to make use of it. It's exactly the same with receiving the greatest gift. We have to personally receive. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, the simplest way is simply to pray. Pray is not so much a religious duty as just a way that we can personally communicate with a God that we can't see but who is real to a Jesus Christ who's alive in heaven and to the Holy Spirit who's here on the earth present with us right now. And through prayer, it just gives an opportunity to communicate with that amazing God. You may have seen and noticed in the, the VT there, the testimony of Michael. He prayed while he was kneeling beside his bed. I prayed, actually at the age of 19, I was lying on my bed. The famous adventure of Bear Grylls appropriately prayed a similar prayer while he was up a tree. He says this, this is what he prayed. God, if you're like I knew you as a kid, would you be that friend again? If you read his story, he said it was that uncomplicated. He prayed that simple prayer up a tree. God came into his life and changed his life. What we've seen over the years is many, many, many people who've actually prayed in this very auditorium, a simple prayer like I'm going to lead you in. It's a prayer where basically we say, thank you for your gift, Lord. I want to receive that gift today. And so I want to really include two groups of people in particular. I want to pray for any of you here who maybe you've never received this greatest gift. It's your way of saying, yeah, I want, I, want, I receive. Or it may be that you at one time in your life, you maybe prayed a prayer, you maybe say, I, I, I began to live the Christian life. Whatever reason, you've drifted. Or to back to the present analogy, it's like you've put the present back on the shelf. What better time than Christmas time 
to take it back off the shelf and say, God, I want to get back on track. Your plans are best. Your purpose are best. So can we pray together? I'd like to ask if you don't mind just to bow your head and close your eyes. And what I want to do, I'm going to pray a simple phrase at a time out loud. Then I want to encourage you to pray this from your heart to God. He, he really is real and he'll hear this prayer. If you believe and you receive, he will come in and begin to change your life. And I want to encourage the rest of the congregation to pray along with us so that nobody feels awkward. Can we pray this together, please? Father God, thank you for giving me the greatest gift of all. Your Son, Jesus Christ. Today I want to receive this gift. I ask you to forgive me for living my life my way rather than following your way. This day I choose to put my trust in you. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit and change me. In Jesus' name, Amen.